Football.com and the DLF family of podcasts. That's star healing Dr. Ethan Turner. Hey, what's going on, guys? And I am John Bargain Hoarding Hogue. And this is the Super Flex Super Show. All right, Ethan. Before we get into uh, what we're what we're what we've been planning on talking about for this episode, uh, I just have to ask you real quick uh, because we already figured this out for uh, for myself, for James the Brain, um, for uh, Meatloaf uh, Meatloaf Wildcat Brian Har. What is your uh, what's your quarantine name? So it's uh, it's the last thing you ate. Plus the uh, the mascot of your high school. Yeah, so I listened to that show. Nice. Uh, and I don't what what did Brian's was like Meatloaf Unicorn or something crazy. <laughs> meatloaf uh, War, or Meatloaf <laughs> Wildcat. James called yeah. it, at the end. James called him Meatloaf Warhawk, and now I just cannot get off. Meatloaf of Warhawk. Yeah, That's it's not nearly better, as cool. But... <laughs> um, let me. Uh, <laughs> uh, what did I even eat last? Now I have to like think through my head. Oh, spaghetti. So it would be spaghetti ram. I'm a spaghetti ram. That's which, not bad. That's it's not too bad. The Rams, uh, the, the Rams are my high school mascot. Um, I, I wish I could use like my my college alma mater because then I would be the spaghetti Billikens, which is which is ridiculous. The Billiken is like the most ridiculous thing on the planet anyway. What is the Billiken? So, <laughs> so the Bill. So Saint. I went to Saint Louis University. For those of you that don't know, that's that's one of the two schools that I went to. And so, uh, the Billiken is like, think of like a troll and a Buddha all mixed together. So it's like kind of chubby. Whoa but like it has the face of like a troll. And so if you look it up, it's actually terrifying. And so <laughs> when I was in school there, we, the school decided that the mascot that they had was not scared, like it menacing enough to be like a, like it didn't in, instill fear in the competition. And so they redesigned the logo and like put all this money into redoing, like they got the guy a new costume and everything. And when he came out in the costume, Literally, children were like afraid of this mascot. And so they had to like redesign it a second time because Make the mascot was so terrifying yeah. that the kids like wouldn't go up to the mascot. And so uh, that's what a Billiken is. And it's it, there's a big long history, but it's basically a troll Buddha combo. That, yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't think that it looks that much better. I mean, it's like a, Kind it's of terrifying. Jewish, like white looking. It's super scary. It's yeah. biracial now too, which is also just great. It's <laughs> like face is half white and and half dark. It's very creepy. Uh, but the original, like the mascot that they the, the like mascot costume that they came out with, the mouth was like a big open mouth, and so it looked like you were just like it was gonna eat like eat your soul it was creepy as all get out we were like this is not acceptable we cannot have this running around on our <laughs> sidelines so that's the billiken story yeah he's terrifying so an art teacher and illustrator from kansas city missouri saw this in a uh in a dream and uh yeah it became the the mascot of an entire university uh it's a mythal mythical good luck figure who represents things as they ought to be um oh, yeah a national sensation at one point troll so, buddha yeah, yeah troll buddha and we had a football a football coach uh fun fact if you know football related 
the forward pass was was perfected by the St. Louis Billikens in like the early 90s in football, like the first forward pass. So for however many years, football was just running plays. And then somebody on the Billikens was like, dude, what if we just chuck the ball forward? Like, is that <laughs> even allowed? And they won a national championship with that forward pass because there wasn't a cornerback. There were no cornerbacks yeah, in football in the early 90s. Lines. So they were just chucking the ball like 20 feet forwards. And then everyone was like, well, is that even allowed? And then they won the national championship with that. Uh, I don't know if they get credit for the national championship because I think there was only like six schools in the whole country at that point. But like it, it happened. Like we still have the banners and stuff. And now they're, you know, it's a private school. So they're too cool to have football anymore. But that was, that was the thing. But the football coach in the early, early 90s looked kind of like a Billiken. And that's how that became the school mascot. Like they were making fun of the football coach, which I think is hilarious. As he was just like launching the ball down the field on them all over the place. On the, They've got 11 three technique defensive players to cross the line of scrimmage and he's just bombing it on them and they're just like making well, fun of how he think, looks. I mean, like, that's all <laughs> the sad thing is like, I don't think footballs were, they, they weren't shaped the way they are now. And so it wasn't, it couldn't have been easy to throw the thing. Um, it was yeah, a lot more round. It was like bigger. It looked kind of like, like a rugby, rugby. ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, which I mean, that's kind of what football was at the time. It was it was really just kind of rugby with some slight modifications, and then apparently, yeah, this <laughs> these guys just start throwing the ball. I'm like, what the hell is that allowed? Yeah, that's it's the way ridiculous. It ought to be. And meanwhile, there's the, the which is uh, what the the mascot stands for. So it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, they went undefeated in 1901, 1904, and 1906. So you because know that because they threw the ball and nobody else knew that that was allowed. Um, <laughs> Man, I think that that's is, hilarious. That is first and, legal forward pass in college football history, which is pretty uh, freaking hilarious. That is so awesome, and and it's just like it's it's poetic to have a super flex podcast. Uh, you know, a quarterback centric podcast lead off with that. <laughs> Some football knowledge. You didn't even know things you're learning things. You didn't even know you needed to know. Yeah, exactly. So by the that's way, that's a fun trivia fact. Cause they don't have a football college football team anymore. So that's like our only thing that I'm allowed to brag about. Yeah. Yeah. So by the, the, the mascot looks, uh, so there's like, there's a, like a, um, a statue version that just kind of looks like the, uh, the Bergens on um, Trolls. I don't know if you've if you've seen that movie, but uh, I watched a ton mm-hmm. of little kid movies. So yeah, yeah. But the, the mascot itself looks kind of like a, a just a pale version of the Grinch. Yeah, I mean, I would say that. I would say yeah. that looks that's that's about right. I will. This is my last fact about this because I'm sure everyone's super interested. So in night in 1906, that was when the Ford Pass became legal. Yeah, their football team had an 11 and 0 record and outscored opponents 407 to 11 in the season. <laughs> so if you want to know how important the Ford Pass is to football offensive offenses in 1906, yeah. <laughs> 407 points to 11 points. Also, that defense was stout. Uh, shout out to uh, whoever the captain. Clarence Kenny was the captain, in case you're wondering. I think he was also the one that 
that is the quarterback. I don't know for sure. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, uh, E.B. E.B. Cotchums, Eddie Cotchum, Cotchums, Cotchums was the head coach, and he was the one that invented the legal forward pass, four hundred and seven to eleven. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's domination that we'll never get to see. No, um, especially if we, we should not talk about see. real football though. <laughs> that yeah, I mean, I think that it's important every now and then to get back to our roots and remind ourselves where this all came from. But yeah, now, now we've got a more modern version of the game. Um, we're assuming that, uh, that the, that the, there will be an NFL season in 2020 and it's going to include another group of, uh, of, of rookie players. Um, we're going to have a fantasy football season to go along with it. And, uh, all of the roster management that goes along with, uh, with, the our super flex leagues, um, in the likely event that that's going to happen, um, I, I'm kind of we're we're just going off the assumption, by the way, obviously, that the coronavirus is not going to completely supersede. I hope us. by then we have it kind of under wraps. At least have a test that's quick enough that they can play the game. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and so yeah, and I mean that's from a doctor, so um, that's about as concrete as anything that I've heard so <laughs> far. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're going to continue to move forward through this, uh, 2020 non-point scoring season as if there's a 2020 point scoring season coming. And in the meantime, again, we've got some incoming rookies that we need to talk about. Um, it's, uh, we're what, three weeks away from the draft. Uh, the super flex super show, by the way, is going to be, uh, we're going to go live again during the NFL draft. We'll be live throughout the first round on uh, Thursday night, April 23rd, uh, we'll be live throughout the second and third round on April 24th. And then, uh, following the, uh, at the end of the draft on Saturday, April 25th, uh, we're going to do a live super flex rookie mock draft, the first of its kind, uh, with all these rookies on NFL rosters. So, a lot of cool stuff going on. We're going to have some awesome guests. We've got the obviously the hosts of the Superflex Super Show are all going to take part in some capacity. Maybe not all of us on all, all the time, uh, kind of the way we did last year. We, we'll split that up a little bit, but you're going to get to hear from all of the Superflex Super Show hosts. Uh, but until then, let's uh, let's just keep speculating on these rookies a little bit. Um, but I'm going to let you set this one up, Ethan, because uh, this the 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 topic, the way we want to attack these rookies tonight is uh, you you had a very unique idea on how we can kind of comp these guys, how we can use their ADPs, and uh, um, so I'm just going to let you kind of set the table for us here. Yeah, so we, I was sitting at, in my office today, uh, working. If you ask my boss. Uh, I was working, but I was thinking about ways that we could change it up because I'll be honest with you. And I don't know how the listeners feel about this, but I enjoy player comps, comping these rookies to players in the NFL. But I always feel like player comps don't do them any justice because it sets an unrealistic expectation for them. And I think it, it genu- genuinely usually leads you astray. Um, as a as a dynasty player, and so as I was thinking about this, I was you know I was thinking, man, how could I how could I do how could I compare players these rookies to players in the NFL 
but also incorporate a little bit of dynasty strategy into this because oftentimes we shouldn't really just be comparing these players, you know, comparison wise, it's not fair to compare the players to current players and not take into account that some of those current players are actually a much better value for your fantasy team and for your dynasty team. And so I was looking through um, ADPs, looking through where these guys, these rookies are going. And I had a common theme of, man, you can get some serious value out of these rookie picks right now. Rookie fever is at an all-time high. That's why we're talking about it. And I think oftentimes rookie picks are more valuable before their players and they're even more valuable than really they're, they're going to give your, your dynasty team. Um, people are crazy for these rookies. Rookie fever is a thing. Rookie hype is a thing. And so oftentimes I find myself without even having rookie picks just because I'm getting so much crazy value in return because of the potential of a rookie. I'd look at a, uh, a year like last year, the top two guys consensus for the most part, Nikhil Harry, Josh Jacobs. And I, I thought to myself, you know, Josh Jacobs turned out, I mean, he's, he's a pretty good dynasty asset, but if you had traded that first overall pick, imagine the haul that you could have gotten for your fantasy team. I mean, Josh Jacobs, you could have gotten Chris Godwin plus a first this year for the 101 last year. And that was for Jacobs, who ended up being a very you know useful player in year one. Nikhil Harry didn't give you anything, and he was the 102. And so I, I'm thinking, you know, the more I'm thinking about this, the more I'm thinking, man, oftentimes it seems like taking rookies is the worst thing you can do for your <laughs> fantasy team and your yeah. dynasty team if you're trying to win immediately especially yeah. you know it's one thing if you're rebuilding i have a team right now that i completely gutted that i'm rebuilding that i'm trying to basically build youth up so youth is the most important thing cuz i'm still 2 years out that's different you know for that team a rookie is probably going to be more valuable than some veterans but for a lot of fantasy teams they're only one two maybe three good pieces away from competing and ultimately we play fantasy to win and so i was thinking man what if we took these these rookies looked at where their value is right now as players and talked about ways that we could turn either that pick into a hall of picks that is comparable value wise to that player. Or if we could find a way that, man, maybe if you love Jonathan Taylor, but you're sitting at the one Oh eight, you're not getting Jonathan Taylor and your team needs a running back. Who's a stud to compete this year. We know how this rookie draft's going to go. Even without these players being having their teams yet, this is, I'm going to tell you right now, this is a special secret. The first six picks in most super flex leagues are going to have two quarterbacks and three, at least three running backs and part, probably one wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Almost, I would say 90% yep. of rookie drafts this year are going to go some combination of the top two quarterbacks, the top three running backs, and one of the wide receivers. Yeah. So if you're sitting at 110, 
and you need a running back to compete this year, say you have wide receivers, you ain't getting them here unless you're trading at this exorbitant price to move up to get one of these rookie running backs. So you have to think about strategically, what are some guys, who are some dudes that I could target with this pick? If I really need a running back, how do I capitalize on this, this rookie fever that everyone has right now and get a player that maybe I wouldn't normally be able to get for this pick in the middle of the season and pick them up now. And so that's the, this is what we're going to be going through. We're going to be going through, you know, kind of the, you know, some of the top players in this draft where we think they're going to go, who are some comparable players to that player that you could get for significantly less draft capital. And we're going to, we're, we're going to go through it that way. And we're going to see how basically if you need a player like a Jonathan Taylor, but you can't get him, who are some dudes to target? And so that's what I was thinking about doing. We're also going to be talking obviously a lot about, you know, Jonathan Taylor and, you know, his skill set as running backs. But the, the biggest thing that I want to focus on is how to approach your rookie draft to maximize the value of the rookie hype. And so that's what this show is going to be about. Yeah, which I, I love that, by the way. I I always say that I like to take the fun out of fantasy football. I don't like to. I mean, it just happens that way. I, it's not that I'm purposely killing you guys' buzz. Uh, it, just, it just so happens that the things that the fantasy community, the dynasty community goes nuts over uh, is actually usually the wrong thing for their roster. And that's, that's the thing about this episode is, you know, the fact that again, you know, Jonathan Taylor doesn't make a whole lot of sense based on what you have to do to get him. He doesn't make a whole lot of sense for very many dynasty rosters. Like the, 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 you know, the team that came in at dead last and, you know, actually earned the 1.01 in your dynasty league is going to take Jonathan Taylor, at least according to ADP, they're going to take Jonathan Taylor and they're, you know, they're not going to have the roster to support a, a stud running back, even if he, that's, that is what he ends up being. Um, meanwhile, you know, the teams that could actually use Jonathan Taylor are so far back in the first that they have to give up way too much to trade up to get him. And uh, long story short, these rookie picks, you know, if, if, if we behaved correctly when it comes to these rookie picks, the values would just absolutely plummet. And we're just going to, we're, we're going to be able to show that a little bit, but also, you know, spend a little bit of time getting to know these rookies doing a little bit of comps. And the best part is, We've got some brand new ADP over at DynastyLeagueFootball.com that includes rookie players. And uh, we're going to be able to use that ADP uh, to kind of pull all of this together. So you can go check out that ADP. Again, it's at, at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, uh, the Superflex ADP for the month of March. Right now we're, we're already working on April's, but March is just wrapped up uh, a little over a week ago. So this is still fairly current. And uh, you can see where these players are going and compare them to their veteran counterparts. Uh, all of this just kind of works together. So let's just get right at it because Jonathan should, Taylor. Sorry, we should we should specify that this these these mocks are startup mocks. And so yeah. this is where they're going in a startup draft, not in a these are not rookie only mocks. Correct. This is really truly 
where these individual players are are stacking up with the rest of the player pool right now. Correct. Correct. And so I I also ju- I just want to mention this part. Um, I did run, you know, four mock drafts in in the month of March that included it was super flex startups um, that included rookie players. I also did four mocks that included rookie picks and uh, just I, we're not really going to use that one um, for a variety of reasons. But uh, I did think it was interesting because this is this is actually pretty rare. But in uh, the mocks where that included rookie players. So, you know, rather than drafting rookie pick 1.01, you're drafting actually, you know, Jonathan Taylor. Taylor went higher than rookie pick 1.01 in the other set of mocks. Like that's that's very unusual. In fact, 102 looks like 103. They all went later than the the corresponding players. So um, it's pretty interesting, but it also uh, is is pretty flawed, pretty skewed. So we're not really going to use that one right now. I might do a, an episode coming up um, fairly soon where uh, I can go over those rookie picks a little bit. For our, but for our purposes, we're just going to use actual players. So so let's talk about Jonathan Taylor. He in these Superflex startup mocks, the consensus had him going in the second round at 2.07. He was the first rookie off the board, so he's he's the consensus 1.01 among rookies. So let's talk about some comps for Jonathan Taylor and um, you know, so, kind of some alternatives to what you could be doing. Uh, you know, for one thing, if you have 1.01, um, you know, you could obviously take Jonathan Taylor. But, I mean, another option could be you might be able to get guys like Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon. You might be able to get those guys straight up for that 1.01. Like, that feels like a a reasonable move to make. But um, I'm just going to let you, uh, you know, just just um, just mash this up. Just just put this through the machine real quick and uh, let's put your process to this. Yeah. So obviously the one oh the the one oh one this year is worth quite a bit more than your typical one oh one because you're gonna have people that really like Joe Burrow. You're gonna be have people that really like Jonathan Taylor, you're gonna have re- people who really like DeAndre Swift. I mean, that's those are three pretty elite prospects to get with the one oh one. And I just I think it's it's important always to look at who are players that you can get straight up for this pick or players that might you might be able to get straight up plus if you if you really have somebody who wants this guy um so if you look at this you know the round two seventh pick the sixth pick was juju smith schuster then you have joe mixon and nick chubb at four and five and then after this pick immediately carson wentz josh jacobs chris godwin um, and josh allen so those are kind of some of the players that this pick is being valued around and so if one of those guys really stuck out to you is like oh my gosh man you know uh, maybe you don't need a running back. Maybe you don't need a quarterback, but you're desperate for wide receiver. You know, you might be willing to reach out to a guy like, you know, that owns Chris Godwin or who owns the, you know, Juju Smith Schuster and say, hey, man, one on one straight up, you know, and get yourself an elite piece to help your team at a need that you actually have. Um, obviously, you can still take Jonathan Taylor. The thing that I like um, about Taylor, especially, is that. You know, he really is a combination of a few different he, – he reminds me a lot of a few different types of running backs. Um, two guys that I think personally he reminds me the most of are actually Nick Chubb, who went three picks before him, 
um, and a guy like Leonard Fournette. And if you look at this, this, this ADP, Leonard Fournette actually ended up coming in the first pick of the fifth round right before the 106. And so right now, according to, you know, according to this mock, Leonard Fournette, who is, who is coming off a 1600 total yard season is almost, you know, is two full rounds behind the 101, which means more than likely uh, you could, you could potentially get Leonard Fournette plus for this pick. And to me, I think if you're competing, you have to consider that. I mean, you have to consider it. And, you know, you might say, well, I have the one-on-one because my team's terrible. Okay, that's fine. Take Jonathan Taylor, like we said. But there's teams out there that have the one-on-one that are, this is not their biggest need. And so if you could move back to, say, the 106-107 and pick up Leonard Fournette, you get a running back, which is what you were going to take in, with that first. And then you, you're in that range of getting a guy like C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy. Maybe that's the position you actually need a rookie at. And you've maximized the value of this pick. Um, other guys that I really like uh, that have similar skill sets to a Jonathan Taylor, a guy like Melvin Gordon, who has even lower value than even Leonard Fournette. He's going at the, you know, the fourth pick of the seventh round. And so that's right after the 110. And so... You know, just for, for comparison's sake, I mean, Melvin Gordon going to a new team, he's going to be on the Broncos. The Broncos, you know, they 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 paid him. They want him there. And so they're going to use him. And so if you want to really maximize this pick, you could get Melvin Gordon and maybe a first or more for this pick. I mean, I think that's a pretty fair deal a way that you could maximize this and still get a guy that's going to possibly produce similar or even better than what Jonathan Taylor is going to produce next season. I mean, rookies rarely produce at what you predict them to produce at. And I think Jonathan Taylor is getting, and granted, justifiably so, his value is getting inflated right now because of the rookie hype. And so this is where I need you, you know, you might get be, there are people out there that are dead set. I have the one-on-one. I'm only taking Jonathan Taylor. Like he is going to be my guy. He's going to be my stud. And I just, my hope is that with this episode, you look at this as, okay, yeah, I know that Jonathan Taylor was my guy, but man, I could really turn this into a, you know, I could have a team that's competing by the end of this season if I can maximize this trade potential with this one-on-one and yeah, I'm giving up Jonathan Taylor, but guess what? Ultimately one championship for me at least is worth 50 Jonathan Taylors. And that's what you, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to maximize these rookie picks because ultimately taking the one-on-one taking Jonathan Taylor, I'm not going to complain about that if I'm any team, but I think too often we get stuck into a player that we love and we lose out on max value and max value is should be what you're looking for every, every, with every pick that you make. Yeah. So just kind of an action item based off of this, like this is, this is just kind of me spitballing a little bit, but based on ADP, Jonathan Taylor, two Oh seven, um, you know, obviously like, a, a, you know, if you earned 1.01, I mean, to me, Juju Smith-Schuster at 206, like you make that trade straight up, that makes more sense for a, a rebuilding type of roster. 
but even better, I mean, you just go to, to round three at 307 or 306, Kenny Galladay, 307, Odell Beckham Jr., 310, A.J. Brown. Like any one of those three guys, I, 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 my feeling is you could get one of those three guys plus Melvin Gordon for the 1.01. And all of a sudden, and like you said, I mean, you're getting similar production at least this year out of Melvin Gordon. And you add a, a wide receiver who's not only going to help you this year, but who you can build around as you, you know, kind of rebuild uh, this team going forward. So, um, you know, that's that's the type of move you can make if you're kind of in a rebuild, if you actually earned 1.01. Um, and then, you know, like you said, if you're if you're a contender looking at Jonathan Taylor and, you know, the price that you have to pay, which, again, it, I mean, that could be it could be A.J. Brown and Melvin Gordon. Uh, you know, wouldn't you rather just, just get the production of Melvin Gordon and, you know, pass on Jonathan Taylor. So, you know, what we're kind of doing here is completely just demolishing the trade market, but, but like, (laughs) well, I think, I think we're just, I think what we're actually doing is showing or trying to show at least how much value these rookie picks have right now. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, Jonathan Taylor to Mac to to be you're saying right now Jonathan Taylor out of school without any on the field NFL experience has similar upside to a guy like Juju Smith Schuster who's seen have a 14,000 you know 14 1400 yard season yep you know similar to a guy like Nick Chubb who we've seen do it on the field in the NFL similar to a guy like Joe Mixon who's seen on the field do it and of course you know me personally I don't really think Joe Mixon's the perfect comparison here uh cuz I don't I'm not a huge Mixon guy but I think the the point is is that we have to stop looking at these rookie picks as just being an option to pick a rookie these picks are worth way more right now than they will ever probably ever be. And so, yes, could Jonathan Taylor be a top five running back as soon as, you know, next year? Absolutely. But are you going to bank on that being the case, knowing that you could have potentially gotten yourself Leonard Fournette and, a, and another piece to build around? I, I don't know. I don't think that's always the best process. You know, we have to, sometimes it's better to have, you know, two half dollars than, you know, one, you know, it's, it's better have a dollar made up at two 50 cent pieces than have one 50 cent piece that's cast in gold that could become a dollar. You know, it's just, it's, it's too much. We, we overthink, we think, okay, I have the one-on-one, I have to take a rookie here. And we don't even, they don't even explore the options that are available to them. And so that's, that's really what we're hoping for here is that you can kind of see, okay, really get the wheels turning. I mean, I think that's, that's the key. Yeah. So what about Joe Burrow? That's, uh, that's next up. He goes at 301. Uh, second rookie off the board, first quarterback, obviously. Um, so in that range, I mean, Josh Allen goes two spots ahead of him. Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield goes uh, two spots after him, or three spots after Joe Burrow. Uh, what's uh, what's what's the move there? Yeah, with Burrow, I think again, you're looking at, I mean, obviously an incredible prospect. Uh, he's he's being evaluated right where I think. I think this is pretty fair, you know, start of the third round. I mean, Baker has slidden off. You got Daniel Jones, which is a few picks after that. But 
if you look down to the fourth round, you got Aaron Rodgers sitting there. You got Matt Ryan sitting there. If you go down to the fifth round, you got Matthew Stafford. You know, Kirk Cousins is down at the end of the fifth. Uh, you know, round six, you got Drew Locke and Jimmy Garoppolo right next to each other. And so do I think Joe Burrow is going to be successful? Absolutely. He's a good quarterback. I mean, we just saw him put up arguably the greatest college quarterback season of all time. But is Joe Burrow going to be worth more than, say, Aaron Rodgers and a, you know another pick on top of that? I mean, there's probably a team out there that, you know, LSU has a lot of fans. There's some there's some dudes that really want Joe Burrow on their team. And so if you're sitting there at the 102, Jonathan Taylor goes first, and you're looking at this pick like, you know, I'm kind of set at quarterback. Maybe you follow what we preach all the time on this show, which is go get your quarterbacks early and often first so you don't have to worry about this. Then you go, well, you know, look at some of these other players. I mean, you know, Julio Jones is sitting around later. Amari Cooper and Derrick Henry both went after this pick. If you need a running back and you have three quarterbacks that you're perfectly content with because you drafted a ton of quarterbacks to the start because you built your team around quarterbacks the way that we say to do on the Superflex Super Show, maybe Derrick Henry straight up for Joe Burrow is going to help you propel you into championship contention. You know, maybe it's, well, you know, I, I don't really need quarterbacks, but the rest of my team is, is is pretty bad. You know, Cortland Sutton is in the next round. Maybe it's Cortland Sutton and a few other pieces. All of a sudden, you know, you're looking at a rebuild that you've done with one rookie pick. And so, you know, other guys that I really like, I mean, if you, even if you need a quarterback, I'm looking at a dude like Matt Ryan. I'm looking at a dude like Matthew Stafford, especially his value is depressed. Matthew Stafford plus a pick plus, you know, pick later in the round plus something else. All of a sudden you've turned this, you fill the need at quarterback and you've also given yourself even more chances to fill the rest of the holes in your roster without using only Joe Burrow's hype, essentially. And, you know, we've seen it with Baker Mayfield. You know, this if you had traded Baker Mayfield at his peak last offseason, all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at a complete rebuild, boom, instantly overnight. And quarterbacks, as much as I, I think we value quarterbacks correctly on this show ultimately we're at the point right now in the nfl where there are quite a few options for quarterbacks that are all producing fantasy points and so taking joe burrow at the 102 to me while it is going to give you a really good quarterback prospect to build around it's probably going to hurt you in the long run because you could have potentially given yourself two or three good players in return for just that one guy. And I like to build teams that have a lot of depth that are going to beat you. Not in the, the top guys aren't usually going to beat you, but my teams are the third wide receiver is going to beat your third wide receiver. My tight end or my second tight end is going to, is going to be your second tight end. You know, yep. my fourth running back is going to be better than your fourth running back. And so we're looking at a season next year. We're going to have probably two bye weeks. You don't think it's going to be important to have some depth built up for that? It's going to be really important. So use this and 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 use this pick for Burrow and get yourself a guy like 
I mean, Matthew Stafford is the one that sticks out to me, but maybe you, maybe you want even more security. You know, you get a guy like Aaron Rodgers, and then you get, you know, a, a running back or a wide receiver like, you know, Terry McLaurin and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you can still build with just one piece. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing to me. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's the kind of stuff that I would be looking for if I'm sitting with Joe Burrow and I don't really need a quarterback. Yeah. I, so real quick, I, I love that approach to, uh, to lineup construction. Um, yeah. So, I mean, one of a, a key components to, uh, to our, uh, I mean, generally speaking on this show, our, our strategy when it comes to quarterbacks is the idea that, I mean, there's really not a big difference from one to the next, like what generally happens in an NFL season, you've got that one, you know, the quarterback one overall, usually that, that guy has just an outlier season, just like nobody can touch him. Everybody else. I mean, basically two through like 15, like they're all, they're generally within about five points of each other per game on a per game basis. Like you can pretty easily make that up with another, you know, with a starter upgrade somewhere else. So as you know, as much as we say, you know, quarterback value compared to the, the other positions, there's just, you know, there's, there's really no comparison. Like you have to have quarterbacks, um, you know, to be involved in the trade market to, uh, to be able to compete, in terms of keeping a quarterback at your super flex position at all times, you know, those, those are key components to this, but once you get into quarterback versus quarterback, there's very little difference, generally speaking. I mean, you, you definitely want to find that guy who ends up being the quarterback one and having that outlier season, you know, Lamar Jackson in 2019, Pat Mahomes in 2018, Carson Wentz in 2017, um, Aaron Rodgers in 2016. You definitely want to find those guys. But it's, you know, beyond that, it, 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 you know, assuming you don't have that, it kind of doesn't matter too much who your quarterbacks are necessarily. So, you know, even, even if Joe Burrow does have, you know, that second year breakout that, that, um, you know, that we kind of project for quarterbacks, generally speaking, you know, it's still not going to be to a, point where he's just you know so much better than some of these guys around him i don't i don't think that he's going to be any better you know not significantly better than baker mayfield in any given season assuming health for both guys i don't i don't think that it's going to ever be a significant difference between those two so yeah i mean take advantage of the value of the pick that is ultimately going to turn into joe burrow um i think that's a that that one even more than the Jonathan Taylor thing. Like this is this is an even bigger, more important move is to, you know, take advantage of the fact that Joe Burrow, the name Joe Burrow right now has, you know, a significant amount of trade value. Take advantage of that, and you know, the fact that the market right now, the consensus, is totally ignoring the fact that Joe Burrow is not going he he can be better than all of these quarterbacks but it's not going to be by by very much so yeah you can take advantage of that pretty easily um the next one though to cm uh the first wide receiver taken he goes in round five at 502 
Uh, he's actually the uh, sixth rookie off the board. So like you said, it's the top three, uh, the top three running backs and the top two quarterbacks go in the top five. And it's D Lamb. Jerry Judy's awfully close to him as well. But um, let's just talk about CD Lamb. And so it looks like he's going two picks after DK Metcalf, two picks ahead of Allen Robinson. And there's also the component for rookie wide receivers where, I mean, not only do you not, you know, not only do we have to wait for year two, sometimes year three for the breakout, the the rookie year is a, a lot of times is, is rough. It's, it's nothing, you know, they, they kind of lose fairly significant value before they, before the breakout, before the peak and before you, you know, you get the, the full return um, on what you paid for essentially. So, um, so yeah, let's talk about CD lamb and some moves that you can make uh, involving him and some comps for him as well. Yeah, Lamb is definitely an interesting one. This is where rookie drafts, I think, are going to get really subjective based on where you're at. I think Lamb is kind of the benchmark. I feel like in most rookie drafts, Swift, Taylor, Burrow are going to all be gone before you get to Lamb. Regardless of even if somebody needs a wide receiver, I think those three dudes are locked in going to head ahead of, of Lamb. And so at the earliest, it's the 104 Obviously, in consensus right now, you've got Tua and J.K. Dobbins going ahead of him. He's going at the 106. This is pretty safe, I think, for Lamb. You know, by the 106, most leagues you're losing. C.D. Lamb is gone, and so I find that a lot of times those middle of the pack uh, teams are they have some you know some solid pieces that they can work with, but they're usually strong at one position for sure at a minimum they're strong at quarterback and they're decent at running back or they're strong at wide receiver and running back and they need a quarterback um a lot of teams right now that i that i'm finding are strong at wide receiver because there's a lot of wide receivers right now that are putting up pretty consistent points and so i think that lamb is a very good wide receiver prospect he has a little bit. He does everything very, very well. And so looking for comps for him that are maybe a little bit cheaper than he is right now is not super easy just because I do respect the talent that he has. But one that really sticks out to me and one that I actually really like the comp is actually DJ Chark. And so Chark, we saw what you just described with Chark. It took him more than a year to really break out and really find his own. I think there were people that really liked Chark. He was a speed guy in college. Um, people knew that he had a lot of potential. I think he was going, you know, kind of middle of the second round in most rookie drafts. But everyone was that I at least all of the people that I listened to were were fairly confident that Chark had the skill set required to be a good NFL player. Now, obviously this year he showed it. Like Chark broke out. He is now, I think you know, a, a pretty solid wide receiver to have on your team. He's still young. He's still athletic. You know, he's he very, he's shown that he can do it already. And so, you know, Chark's going at the fifth pick in the sixth round. I mean, he's going a full round after um, CeeDee Lamb is right now. And that's for a guy that's, you know, two years into his career. He's already passed that kind of 
uh, you know, the, the learning curve that most wide receiver rookies come in with. Um, I think, I think it's one of the hardest positions for rookies to get acclimated with quickly. And so we got a little bit spoiled when we had that year with OBJ and Mike Evans, where they came in and both kind of produced immediately. Uh, I think that was 2014. Since mm-hmm. then, there hadn't been very many wide receivers that go in the first rounds that immediately pick up and, and our consensus, you know, top 12 or even top 15 or 20 dynasty wide receivers going into their second year. Very few of them continue to hold value. Um, we've seen a couple last year, you know, DK Metcalf, you mentioned, um, you know, he's going two picks before them. I think right now DK Metcalf, I think if you had the one Oh six up, somebody would be willing to move Metcalf straight up for that pretty, pretty easily. Um, you still got people that have some questions, but the guy that I really would be going after is, you know, value wise, not exactly the same, but Cortland Sutton is sitting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, nine picks ahead of where CD Lamb is being drafted. And I think with the 106, you could make a really strong case. Maybe it's the 106 and a third, you know, 106 and 306. CD Lamb sitting on the board. Why not take a guy like Cortland Sutton, who's going into his second you know, or third year, just like DJ Chark, a little bit more expensive, but maybe you can make the pitch to that that owner. Hey, man, you know, maybe that guy doesn't. Maybe he has a bunch of wide receivers, and maybe he's looking for running back, and he need you know he sees Cam Akers on the board at one hundred six, or maybe Dobbins slips and he's at the one hundred six. You can make a case to move this one hundred six for an upgrade at wide receiver, even more than C. Lamb is going to give you, and you skip that awkward phase that wide receivers have. I mean, I think that's a that's a that's a decision that I would make ten times out of ten right now, because I'm with you. Wide receivers don't pan out quickly, and I am one that I want I want I want to make some production happen immediately, especially with these rookie picks. I don't I don't have the patience to sit around and you know if you're middle of the pack right now, guess what? Adding CD Lamb is not going to probably put you over the edge and get you into championship contention this year. So find a way to make it happen. You know, find yeah. a way to use this pick, use this hype, move down to the end of the end of the first round and pick up, you know, Terry McLaurin or pick up, you know, Tyler Lockett or pick up, you know, Devontae Parker or Adam Thielen is a guy that I love. Make that yeah. choice. Go back, you know, move back in the round, pick up a dude like Adam Thielen. You get the production that you want CD Lamb to have in the future right now. And you still get to add a young piece if that's really what you need. And there's plenty of wide receivers. This rookie draft is going running backs and quarterbacks early. And then there's a chunk of probably seven or eight wide receivers that are all really good prospects. You don't have to have CD Lamb to to have to come out of this draft with a solid wide receiver prospect that's young and talented. Make yeah. the move. Keep moving back. You know, and if you've got five guys you like move back five spots and take the, you know, take whoever you like the most there and pick up a guy, pick up a veteran that maybe somebody else is like, you know, Hey, I don't really need this guy on my team. I'm looking for a running back. Let me move up. And that's where I think that's where I like moving off this one Oh six, especially and moving off a guy like CD lamb, because you're going to wait. I mean, it's just the nature of it. Even if he's great, he's not going to probably not go in top 12, wide receiver and he's not going to move the needle enough for you to add just him and become a championship contender 
But if you can move back six spots or eight spots, pick up Adam Thielen and then pick a second piece up, all of a sudden you might be looking at a championship contender this year. And so, I mean, that's, that's what I'd be doing with lamb right now. So here's the other problem for CD lamb too, by the way. So um, like you said, this is a deep wide receiver class and it's not just for fantasy purposes. It's for the NFL as well. And I think that there's going to be a lot of, of draft prep uh, among NFL front offices that kind of looks at that. So, you know, those top five picks, for instance, Cincinnati, Washington, Detroit, uh, the New York Giants and the Miami Dolphins. You know, Cincinnati is is pretty set at wide receiver. The rest of those teams, though, could really use the help, but they're going to draft again early in the second round, and that might be more the range to start looking for those wide receivers for them because, you know, most of these guys are still going to be there. Um, and then from there, you know, you've got the the Chargers, the Panthers, the Cardinals, the Jaguars, and the Browns who are all, I, I can't imagine them being in the market for wide receivers. They're all pretty set at the position. So when you finally get to the teams who are in the market for wide receivers, all of the teams who are, you know, actually, uh, you know, likely landing spots for CD Lamb, we're talking about the New York Jets, Adam Gase. Uh, we're talking about the Las Vegas Raiders, Eric Carr. We're talking about the San Francisco 49ers, run heavy. Um, and then, you know, then you get to the Denver Broncos at 15, uh, where, you know, it's a, it's a much better situation, but he'd be number two behind Cortland Sutton. Uh, and then, you know, you get back to the Dolphins and the Raiders. Um, the, like those are kind of the most likely landing spots. Maybe he falls all the way to 21 to the Philadelphia Eagles. But if he doesn't, assuming he goes before that, it's, man, it's going to be a, a it's going to be a pretty ugly situation. And I think that lamb is going to lose quite a bit of value for for dynasty purposes, just based on the landing spot. So, you know, the fact that that right. That's a great point. There's a lot of good wide receivers in the league right now. Yeah. Is with how deep this class is. I think it is going to be a case of landing spot for most of these wide receivers and lamb's going to have the draft capital most likely, but if Lamb is going at 13, he's competing with like a Debo Samuel. You know, if he goes at, you know, to the Broncos, he's competing with Cortland Sutton. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at this 106 and thinking, man, is this really, is this really <laughs> a good spot to be? <laughs> like, is yeah. this, you know, somebody might need that spot. But if you need a wide receiver, I, I don't want to be the one that takes the first wide receiver in my rookie drafts this year no. because I feel like, you're going to, even if you get a great player like Lamb, like Jerry Judy, you're going to wish that you had maximized this pick before all those landing spots got put into place or before you needed a a difference maker at wide receiver because I think there's going to be at least three or four of these dudes that are going to end up being number twos on their team and you're taking a top five or six rookie pick, you know, to get a guy that's not even the alpha on his team, or he is the alpha, but he's on a team with Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota as his quarterbacks. I mean, this isn't, this is probably not going to end well for a few of these rookies. And so use the hype right now and make it, make something happen with this pick, you know, make move back, move up. 
you know, yeah. maybe, you know, if you really want a running back and you want to make sure you get one, you need to be in the top three picks. And so to get one of the elite running backs. And so maybe that is a move that you need to start thinking about making, or maybe you say, you know what, I need a, you know, I need a wide receiver, but I don't like where this guy, you know, I don't like where this one Oh six going. Maybe you do take a deal where you take just a Calvin Ridley straight up, or you take just a Cooper cup. Who's a few picks after this straight up or Stefan Diggs or Debo Samuel. And maybe you say, you know what, I'd rather have the established dude because I know what his role is going to be. Yeah. So according to ADP, by the way, Calvin Ridley is going in the range of uh, rookie pick 1.09. Other guys in that range, DJ Chark, Tyler Boyd, Michael Gallup. So you might not even have to go straight up. Like you might get Calvin Ridley plus something for 106. Um, You know, it might be like a later second or something like that. But the fact that you can get Calvin Ridley plus when, you know, we know that Calvin Ridley is in a position to produce now. And in a good situation with a good quarterback and a good offensive system, um, you know, having Julio Jones on the other side is a, is is actually, um, you know, helpful in his case. He, you know, he draws away some of the tougher coverage. So um, there, it, it's a, it, it, you make that move now in in anticipation of the fact that 106 is not actually going to end up being C.D. Lamb. Um, it might, it, and it probably won't be a wide receiver at all. So, uh, you know, take advantage of the fact that there's that there's value there that's not going to be there uh, once the draft hits. Um, let's uh, let's go back to the running back position. DeAndre Swift going in the third round, three hundred five. He's the third rookie off the board, and uh, I mean, a few spots ahead of Miles Sanders, um, about half a round ahead of Derrick Henry and almost a full round ahead of Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler. That's that's kind of the, the range right now for DeAndre Swift. Um, uh, and, I mean, I would imagine that there's kind of a lot of wiggle room for him, right? Yeah, I mean, Swift, I think Swift compares, honestly, the most to a guy like Austin Eckler, actually. Um, I like, I like, I think that he could be, potentially a full full-blown bell cow and i think he's got the passing chops to do that he is what i would consider the most nfl ready of the running backs just because his game is complete you know he can run inside but where where running backs in fantasy are are winning right now is the guys that can catch passes i mean that's just the fact of it and so uh the fact that swift is explosive but and can catch passes but can also run up the middle i mean he is He's a he's a dang good running back prospect, but you just mentioned Austin Eckler a full round later, um, Derrick Henry a round later. You know, is this one hundred three? As much as I love DeAndre Swift, there's not a whole lot of spots in the NFL right now that running backs can just walk in and be a three down bell cow. Mm-hmm. I mean, there really are not. I mean, I think about. And if and and when you go back and when you go in and look at where teams are actually picking, the teams that need running backs right now are not going to probably be in a position to take a guy like Swift unless they're doing an exceptional reach. If he ends up in Miami, you're going to wish you had Austin Eckler plus right now. Yep. And so, again, we're talking about you know, I think it's pretty much locked in regardless of where these dudes go. Swift Taylor. Burrow, top three picks in most rookie drafts. 
are you really going to want Miami's starting running back at 103 when you know you know that you could have had a guy like an Austin Eckler plus for that pick? I mean, is that really what's going to help your team? When I think those two dudes especially have pretty similar you know, ceilings, and I would say Eckler has a safer floor right this second because we don't know where Swift is going to go. I mean, that's the comparison that I would make. If you like DeAndre Swift, you should love Austin Eckler. And if you like, if you have the 103, you should be looking at the guy with Austin Eckler because he might be looking to sell. Uh, I've seen, I've, I've sold Eckler, you know, for what he's worth right now. But man, you know, I mean, I think that, I think you're really taking uh, a risk right now, especially with these running backs, by assuming that they're going to end up in a great spot. If Swift is splitting carries with someone next year, you think he's going to be sitting, you know, you think he's going to be sitting next to Baker Mayfield and Kenny Galladay and Odell Beckham Jr. in the ADP right now, you know, George Kittle two picks ahead of him. He ain't going to be sitting there. You know, he's not going to be able to, he's not going to have the touches to produce. And so while I think Swift, again, exceptional talent, I still feel like he could be a guy that you're going to get more value out of for your team right now and in the future by moving off of this pick. Yeah. And you can get similar players too. So if you really like Swift, you should by default really like Austin Eckler. Yeah. And we know what Austin Eckler is. His situation looks like right now. Now could change. Obviously if Jonathan Taylor goes to the chargers at, at seven, it's a stupid pick, but that would change Austin Eckler's value, but I still think that you know you're you're taking a big risk. I mean, you really are. You're taking a big risk, assuming that DeAndre Swift is going to land in this like prime spot that's going to make him a top twelve running back this year. Yeah, there's a wide range of outcomes there, and it that, like that to me, that's the main reason to move move on from one point oh three, especially if you've got it earmarked as DeAndre Swift or. Or, or say, you know, maybe you wanted Joe Burrow and you were hoping Joe Burrow falls. So you kept the pick and Joe Burrow doesn't fall. And now you're sitting at 103 and you're like, man, you know, I don't really like anything I have here at quarterback. You know, I don't really like what I have at running back. Maybe you move back a few spots. Maybe you really need a wide receiver help. And so you trade back, you know, to the, the end of the first round and you pick up a guy like, I mean, for DeAndre Swift, you could pick up potentially, uh, you know, the, some of the dudes we've already talked about, but like Amari Cooper is at the end of this round. You know, if you could pick up Amari Cooper and a second mm-hmm. straight up for this pick because that dude needs DeAndre Swift and you need wide receiver, I mean, you got to look into those types of options. I mean, you have to. You're doing yourself – as a dynasty player, a disservice by not looking at all the options that you could get for these picks. Yeah. Yeah. The part of the reason that I say that there's a, a wide range of outcome is to, you know, to segue to our next player to a tongue of a tongue of Iloa. Holy hell. I'm I'm a, a ball. Ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Tua. <laughs> he's going in the fourth round uh, four Oh six. 1.04. And I think that that's kind of low, like in terms of rookies, I think that that's going to end up being low. I would not be surprised to see him jump up to one Oh three unless Deandre Swift lands in like say Kansas city. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of the, the only way that he maintains one Oh three, I believe. 
Yeah, I also think that Tua is probably going to – I said it as soon as Tua's medicals checked out at the Combine, he's going in the top four picks of every Superflex rookie rookie draft. Mm-hmm. Almost a guarantee at this point. I mean, it's, it's really – I don't see a way that the hype isn't going to start building around Tua just like it was a year ago this time when everyone was tanking for Tua and wanting Tua. You know, people want Tua to succeed, and so – um, I agree. I don't. I think this. These two definitely could flip in value. You know, by the time we actually are drafting for rookie drafts. Yeah. So I'm really curious about the two a comp for sure. Um, I, I and I think as far as you know, rich man, poor man, which is kind of what we've been talking a little bit about here. So you know, the quarterback going uh, ahead of Tua, closest but ahead of Tua, is Daniel Jones, and that's almost a full round going a full, almost a full round ahead of him. So, I mean, so to me, I, I and I guess um, that's, that's kind of going to be part of my question to you. If you've got Daniel Jones, I mean, do you, do you, obviously you can get one Oh four plus for him. Is that a move that you would make? And then the guys behind Tua right now, Aaron Rodgers, oh, <laughs> that's not nice. Um, Jared Goff. I, I don't particularly like that one either. And then Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold, um, and then a full round later is uh, Matthew Stafford. So, um, you know, so to me, there's room to move back. I think there's also room to move to move up a little bit uh, in terms of um, ending up with Tua. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't think Daniel Jones deserves to be almost a full round ahead of Tua yeah. or really any of those quarterbacks that you mentioned. I think that that is a, a little bit of a little bit too much hype for me for a guy that's got Sterling Shepard as his wide receiver <laughs> one, um, and a hurt Evan Ingram, and I'm sure Golden Tate is like doing something. I think he was on PEDs, so uh, I don't really get the. I mean, I. I should say he has Saquon Barkley. So even then, is that really an advantage for Daniel Jones as a quarterback? Yes, because Saquon Barkley can catch passes, but that offense is running through Barkley. It's not running through Daniel Jones in most years. So I don't see how this is. I don't, I, I wouldn't, if somebody, if somebody has Daniel Jones and they can trade him straight up for the one Oh four and take two like you should probably do that. Like you should probably just cash in your chips. Cause I just don't feel like that is a, I don't feel like Daniel Jones is a better quarterback prospect than Tua. That being said to me, the two comparison, I would say rich man, poor man comparisons for a guy like Tua, the, the, the name that comes the, that I think he, the guy he reminds me the most of is actually Carson Wentz. And so Wentz is going in the middle of the second round uh, at 208. I don't think you're going to be able to trade Wentz straight up for the 104. But the thing that I think is key is if you have a, a guy like Wentz who has been hurt repeatedly, those dudes are naturally getting their values depressed. And I don't think in a startup you're going to see that. But I'm telling you, as someone who has had Carson Wentz on dynasty teams, the dude wears on you because you're waiting for him to like put it all together and have a great year like he did before he tore his ACL. And you start to think about these injuries. And I'm an injury guy, so I think about injuries all the time anyway. But teams that have Carson Wentz, they might be getting a little bit of an itch to kind of move on from him. He's getting a little bit older. He came into the league pretty old. Um, you know, his, his offensive weapons are pretty negligible right this second before the draft. 
they might be going, man, if I could turn Carson Wentz into the 104 and, you know, a first next year, might be willing to do that. That's a guy that I would be targeting. You know, Josh Allen, same same kind of idea. I don't know if you could get him straight up for the 104, but if you really need a quarterback, I'd be using some of this leverage, some of this Tua hype that's going to start coming. Uh, he just came out and said that he's 100% cleared. I don't know what that means. Right before the draft, like you would expect him to say nice things about himself. He's trying to make get paid right now. Um, but the two the two hype is going to be going to continue rising. I will not be surprised if by eight, the end of April his ADP is closer to that where we had DeAndre Swift in the middle of the third round, and he's passed a guy like Daniel Jones, maybe even passed a guy like Baker Mayfield, and then you're looking at him right around that Josh Allen range. Again, if you're looking for quarterback help. I don't know if Tua is the guy, even though I think he's a great talent, I don't know if he's going to end up in a spot where you can really maximize that talent. Now, if he ends up on the Chargers, then you're looking at him, you know, he's right up there next to Carson Wentz, and then you're talking about him one next to another. Um, but if he ends up in Miami, then you're going, oh, man, you know, I don't. he's got injury concerns, he's got this, now he's on Miami, they don't really have an offense, they don't know what they're doing. I think that Tua is going to have a lot of value coming out of the draft. And I think that for a lot of people, Tua is going to be a guy that you either love or you hate. And if you're in the hate category, you better find somebody that loves him. And I think you'll be able to find at least half your league is probably going to love him and want him bad. And they're going to be willing to pay for him. Uh, poor man comp. I mean, I think it's poor man comp. It's Matthew Stafford. I mean, super talented coming into the league. Injuries were a concern for him too. I think that's just a natural, natural comp. He could be replacing Matthew Stafford. We don't know. We'll have to see how this draft goes. Um, but I mean, I think that you know, if you can get Matthew Stafford plus plus for Tua, like I'd at least consider it, especially not knowing where he could go right now. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think that pretty much covers it. In fact, uh, I've got nothing to add, so we can just get to the last player here that we wanted to talk about Jalen Rager. So we're skipping over Jerry Judy just because I mean, he's very close in, in ADP to CD lamb. I think he's very close in, uh, skill set. um, you know, in, in measurables and everything. So, you know, it's, it's kind of the same basic strategy when it comes to Jerry Judy is CD lamb. But um, the next wide receiver uh, coming off the board is Jalen Rager round eight, um, eight, eight Oh five, one eleven overall among rookie picks. And um, actually, you know, Justin Jefferson gets covered by this a little bit as well. Uh, he's going at eight Oh eight, one twelve or uh, two Oh one, sorry. Um, among rookies. So, uh, but immediately ahead of Jalen Rager, you've got Robert Woods exactly one spot ahead. Uh, a few spots ahead of them is uh, Tyler Lockett, Jarvis Landry. And then after Jalen Rager, you've got guys like Devontae Parker at 809. You've got Adam Thielen at, at 902 and Hollywood Brown at 907. So, uh, man, that feels like, I, I don't know. I, I just need to defer to you on um, – player comps and, and rich and poor uh, when it comes to Jalen Rager, because this, uh, this one for me is a little bit tough to navigate. 
Yeah, I think with with Rager, I actually I actually do like Tyler Lockett as a comp. Um, I think that Lockett, especially before some of the injuries and stuff, zapped a little bit of his explosiveness. I mean, I think they're going to be used in similar ways. Um, I also like Rager, you know, uh, and and this is, you know, moving up a, quite a quite a bit here. But um, you know, a guy like uh, Michael Gallup reminds me a lot of of Jalen Rager. I loved Gallup coming out of college, so I'm glad to see he's finally getting some respect. Uh, he was in my top 12 rookies out of, out of, uh, out of college. And so, um, you know, Michael Gallup is kind of a, you know, a rich man, you know, if Jalen Rager can get to where Michael Gallup is right now, you know, solid second option on a team that I think is, you're going to be pretty happy with that. The problem I have, especially when we get into the, some of these, you know, Rager, Justin Jefferson, who I love. Justin Jefferson, I think, compares pretty favorably to Jarvis Landry. So, you know, I love me some Jarvis Landry. So uh, those two dudes, the fact that these are all kind of clumped in together, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, But one guy that I feel like Rager reminds me the most of, and maybe it's not because I'm a Steelers fan. Maybe it's just because some of the best traits that I saw in Rager's film were his punt and kick returns. And I saw a lot of that when I was looking at Deontay Johnson for this, for the Steelers, when he was coming out of college, you know, Johnson's going in round 10. So, you know, basically almost two full rounds after, after Rager. And so I think that's much higher. I think you could pay. I I think you're getting Deontay Johnson plus plus most likely uh, for the one eleven right, right now in this, in the, in the league, you know, other guys that are going in that round 10 range that I really like, if you need tight end help, this one eleven could get you a serious tight end talent. I mean, Hunter Henry is going two rounds later. Um, you know, Austin Hooper is, is, is going right around in the same round as Rager, but I think the one eleven could get you Austin Hooper plus or, or just straight up for Noah Fant. I mean, TJ Hawkinson, Darren Waller, Dallas Goddard. These are all dudes that are going in the 10th or 11th round. So, you know, by value purposes, you should be able to get those dudes plus a, a player um, or plus a pick, you know, maybe you move back to the, you know, middle of the second round and you pick up a, a tight end prospect like, you know, TJ Hawkinson, or maybe you pick up a guy, um, you know, like a Brandon cooks, if you still like him, um, you know, this is, this is the point. I think it's worth noting, especially when we talk about this, you know, this early second round, a lot of these dudes are similar value and there's a lot of players that people value around this pick. So this is one where you can get real creative with it. I mean, you really need to, if you have a guy that you really want on your team, they're probably falling in a range where this pick could get that player straight up. I mean, obviously you're not going to get like elite caliber players, but I mean, look at some of the running backs that are going after this Darius guys. I would trade 111 straight up for Darius guys, especially if I needed a running back, because we know the running backs in this class are not going to 111. They're just not going to make it. They're not going there in mocks. They're not going there. They're, they're, they're probably not falling that far unless they land in a horrible spot. And so Darius guys, we know what we know what he could be. Um, Chris Carson, again, a guy that you could probably trade straight up the 111 for. If you need a running back, why not take a chance on Chris Carson? I actually traded uh, I traded a tight end, Eric Ebron, and a second for Chris Carson. His value is depressed because of the injury. 
the dude's coming off two 1000 total yard total yard seasons in a row. I mean, this is his value is so depressed right now and we haven't seen anything yet that says that they're not, that they're looking, you know, they might add a running back, but maybe they don't add a, an elite running back in this class. Maybe they just add a guy who comes in and spells Carson on, on third down. Why not trade this one eleven for a pick that could help your team immediately? You know, other guys, uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, Kareem Hunt. Oh my gosh. Talk about a value PPR league. If you're not trading 111 for Kareem Hunt straight up, I don't know what to tell you because we saw when he played last year, he was putting up similar numbers to to Nick Chubb. And at some point, he's going to be trade bait to some other team and he could become a bell cow again. And we've seen him do it at an elite level. And so, uh, again, this is a point in rookie drafts where that 201 is going in the, the middle of the eighth round and then you don't see another rookie pick until the 10th. You got two in a row. You got Jalen Hurts and Henry Ruggs. And then you got another big gap before you get 204, 205. I mean, we don't get to the 208 until round 12. And so there's a ton of players in between the first pick of the second round, current NFL players, between the first pick of the second round and the eighth pick of the second round that could potentially net immediate gains better than these rookie picks will give you. And so you have to be considering ways that you can maximize these picks for players that you know are going to produce or you at least feel confident are going to have a role immediately. And so that's what I think early second, man, you know, these are all crap shoots anyway. You might as well take that pick, maximize its value right now. Cause I can tell you Jalen Rager, he probably not going to, he's probably not going to be worth more next year than he is right now. Middle of eighth round, I mean, you're saying right now Jalen Rager is worth the same as Tyler Lockett, as worth basically the same as Devontae Parker. Those are dudes that have produced at the NFL level. There's just very unlikely that you're going to see this dude increase his value over the next course of the next year. And so, you know, I think, shoot, if you need a wide receiver and you want a young one, go find Nikhil Harry. That dude was the 101 last year. Go find him. You can get him for free right now. You know, the 111, that's going to get you Nikhil Harry and a second. Mm -hmm. That's going to get you serious value. If you need a young wide receiver that has uh, checks all the boxes, go get Nikhil Harry. He's going in the the ninth pick of the 10th round, two full rounds later than Jalen Rager. Then you got your young wide receiver and you just, you, you, you maybe got a second next year with it. And so you can come back around and take a you know take another player next year. You know you've taken that one aspect and turned it into two viable pieces for your team immediately. You know this is uh, I mean I people are probably going to listen to this and be like, dude, he's just telling me to trade everybody. I'm not telling you to trade everybody. What I'm telling you is is that you have to look at these rookie picks as how they can maximize the potential of your team to win fantasy championships this year. And if you're not doing that, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're going to wish you had in a year. Trust me, everybody who's sitting there with the 102 last year that took Nikhil Harry is praying, praying that he becomes something. But they could have traded that pick for, you know, I mean, he was the guy that was sitting up where CeeDee Lamb is sitting right now. And they could have turned it into, you know, 
Allen Robinson plus. You know, they could have turned it into, you know, DJ Chark and two picks or Cooper Cup and a pick and or Stefan Diggs and a pick. They're wishing that they could go back and do that right now. Don't be that dude. Make some decisions. Reach out. Try to maximize the value for these picks. That's what this whole experiment is for, you know. I yeah. think it makes perfect sense. I'm not saying, hey, go trade all your rookie picks because that's, you know, I'm saying get max value for your picks. If you think Jonathan Taylor is max value for your team right now, go take Jonathan Taylor. But if you didn't listen to offers or even potentially look for a trade that could have netted you some ridiculous return, heck, if you want to take Jonathan Taylor, freaking go, go talk to you. Go talk to a guy that has Nick Chubb and say, hey, man, got the one-on-one could be anybody if you need a quarterback could be joe burrow it could be you know it could be jonathan taylor why ask worst they say is no Mm -hmm. you should be shooting for the moon with these picks because right now is the time that people are going to give you the moon to have these picks and i just think it's stupid i think it's stupid how valuable these picks become for because as soon as you turn them into a player they don't hold that value. They just don't. They just yeah. don't. Yeah, especially these wide receivers. Like to a point where, uh, you know, I, I would not be surprised at all if you trade you trade Rager for Nikhil Harry in a second. Next year, this time next year, you trade that second for Jalen Rager. Like that's how that's how that's how the that's how the market works with these with these wide receivers. They lose so much value in that rookie year, but but that's that that is the spirit of this entire exercise is just you know figuring out how to maximize the value of these picks. And you know sometimes it's actually worth it to make the pick, but a lot of times you know you're probably you, you can probably find a move that makes more sense for your roster. So you know we we obviously went over time. We had three other players that we wanted to talk about. Uh, that we didn't even get to, um, which, you know, the the fact that this is such a useful exercise, uh, it does need to be perfected a little bit. And uh, we, we've got all the time in the world to to work on perfecting this exercise. Yeah. And if you liked it, let us know. Like, yeah. seriously, this was an idea I came up with at work today. We're, we're spitballing this. Yeah. If you thought, man, that was super useful. Like, I wish they would have done second or third round picks too. Like, mm-hmm. we can go through this you know, together and, and, and we can add to this. This could be a thing that we do. If you like it, if you like it, if you don't like it, if you're like, man, this episode was useless to me, let us know too. So that we don't have to keep doing it. <laughs> I mean, just let us know. We need the feedback. Yeah. In the main, in the meantime, though, we're going to plan on, uh, on using this some more. Um, like I said, we had some players that we wanted to talk about that we didn't get to. Um, so uh, we can, uh, we can readdress this uh, in a, a, near future episode uh, but for now though we're gonna go ahead and wrap it up for the week and as we do that I ask you for a quick favor if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts you can also subscribe to the dlf family of podcasts mega feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from dlf and once you're subscribed if you give us a rating and review not all podcatchers give you that option but on the ones that do those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach get out to a larger audience involve more people in the conversation and from there we can really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you the listener and in the vein of listener interaction send us your trades on twitter at superflex show 
You can also send them to any one of us individually. Ethan's at eturnerff underscore PT, and I'm at superflexdude. We can retweet those trade polls for you and help you get more votes and comments. And sometimes we even bring them here on the podcast and analyze them. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song, The Addiction, that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. On behalf of Ethan, I'm John. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah.